Hello, my name is Al Crawford and welcome to this Mumbrella and Exponential podcast series we're calling The Point of Connection because it deals with powerful points of connection between brands and consumers. Simples. Today on episode two, myself and our panel will be discussing the tricky and thorny issue of attribution. Before you immediately switch off thinking this is going to be a massive nerd fest, I'm the only one with thick spectacles in the room. I'm going to try and keep it as simple and as dynamic as possible. It's going to be a rollicking roller coaster ride that will take you from tears to laughter, hopefully. And that will be dependent on my guests, who are as follows. Tyler Greer is the Director of Global Sales Strategy at Exponential. Over a 20-year career on both agency and client side, his diverse set of roles has included digital planning and buying, copywriting, publicity, media strategy and brand. He is also a regular contributor on Mumbrella's website. We also have Virginia Highland, who is the founder and principal of Highland Communication Group and Programmatic Media Consultants. So she is both a practitioner as well as an advisor. And finally, we have Nima Yassini, who is the CEO at New Republic and is also the chair of the Digital Technology Collective, which is not the successor group to Craftwork, but is essentially the new tech arm of Admar. So thank you all for being here today. On the off chance people are listening who aren't necessarily familiar with this area, what do we mean by attribution? Sure, thank you, Al. Um, Simply put, attribution is really about trying to figure out how we attribute success of various channels and media and marketing strategies to the end game of sales, to try to establish what's worked, what hasn't, and how we value each of those activities. Um, This is not easy. Not at all. In fact, it's a point of great debate about which attribution models are the most effective, how they shift over time. Every time we introduce a new channel, a new technology, a new device, we have to reevaluate how we attribute success, how we assess um, the way each of these particular campaigns has performed and how it's gone. So digital is the great undoer of a lot of our traditional understanding of what works and what doesn't. And it's undoing it all because it changes so quickly and the pace at which we need to understand the way each channel behaves and the way our brand should act um, and be judged within each of those channels changes at such great pace we have to keep building a new attribution models that may or may not work. It's complex, it's difficult and we're all trying to best understand how we build these models out and understand them. Interesting. Nima, uh, I thought that the, uh, the um, arrival, I suppose, of digital would make things more transparent rather than less. Do you think that the explosion of metrics has helped us or has it hindered us to understand what's going on from an outcomes perspective with our marketing? Helped or hindered? Um, I, think, um, I think transparency has actually caused more problems than it's solved. Um, because at the end of the day, any form of data analysis is based on interpretation and an individual's interpretation changes the way the data actually starts to speak. So I think, um, I think I'm not a media guy, I come from the bottom end of the funnel where, you know, where the actual transaction occurs. So I find um, the only attribution I use is did it sell or didn't it? And as a result, what happened as that occurred and what are the channels and what are the influences. So I don't believe, uh, I think digital has actually made things a lot more transparent. But the problem is, is there's no set way in which we interpret data and it's really down to the individual. Okay. We'll, we'll come on to that in a bit, but I, I am interested in this idea, I suppose, that um, Virginia, that we've seen 
um, probably more arguments over attribution in the last few years rather than less. And it's almost at times felt like it's a bit like the Sharks versus the Jets in terms of people, the nerd-offs about which channels work and which don't work. Can you help me kind of navigate through this world, which I thought was going to get more and more transparent and easier to kind of navigate, um, and yet has seemed to have a lot of flared tempers and a lot of disagreements? Uh, it's an interesting world in the attribution modelling phase, and I think it's been a wonderful journey. We are in an incredibly disruptive period where once we just put our finger in the air and went, well, we think this works. Um, even if we put mathematical science behind us, we could actually change those numbers to even go, well, put more money here and it'll, it'll sell more stuff. So I think now uh, the fact that different businesses have different needs, you have brands trying to build brand awareness, you have businesses trying to deliver e-com results within a second, every single second of their day, has meant that no one attribution model actually works for one client. And the beauty of that is that, like mad scientists, we've now had to reinvent and re-engineer our businesses to support different clients in different ways because they need different types of models to help them, them work. So can I help make it more transparent? That's a challenge we're, we're always facing, but I, I think that we have to accept that as the world gets more complicated, we have to look at businesses and decide which attribution model is going to support that business best. Uh, and there's just no one clear direction anymore, which makes us even more valuable, hopefully, to clients than ever before. Yes, because it's interesting, because I think that some of the debate has become quite partisan. If you look at, for example, media owners a lot of the time or media representative bodies, they're forever telling you that their channel is the best. Um, and do you, do you, I suppose, where, where do you come in in that particular kind of marketplace? Is that something that you, you, you tend to unravel for clients? Because, I mean, every, every time I look at whether it be Think TV or the radio yeah. body or whatever, you know, they're all telling you that this is the most fantastic mechanism for helping your, 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 uh, achieve your kind of commercial results. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, test and learn is the only way forward for a lot of clients and that means carving off a little percentage of the budget to, those, to, to claim against or for those amazing media companies who, who tell you they're the best. Mm. Media is still moving at such a fast and rapid pace now that no one is the best for very long. Uh, and, you know, the perfect example of what's happening with Facebook right now and Google uh, and the challenges they're having shows that, you know, audiences are going to shift again and, and um, decide where they actually spend their time. So um, I think that, you know, it's a, it's a really exciting period to be in and to test and learn um, everyone's self and then be able to have a really complete um, set of information for, for brands and clients who actually want to drive stronger results and talk to the right audiences. There's been a survey in the UK run by Radio Centre but actually conducted by Ubiquity, who are a big communications consultancy firm. It suggested that marketers know next to nothing about media effectiveness. Do you think that's true? Um, I think it's very easy to uh, become, to fetishise new technology and leave TV and radio and outdoor and everything behind. Um, if I had the budget and I was launching a new campaign, a new product that I wanted awareness, I know where I'd be putting my money and it wouldn't be into display banners, it would be on TV and outdoor and radio immediately and then I'd work down from there. Um, so 
that study was very radiocentric because it was underwritten by um, a radio body, but that's fine. That doesn't mean we should throw it out. I think that the effectiveness of the large broadcast channels is still very strong and needs to be considered. Um, it's where they fit in the overall media strategy and brand strategy that we need to assess properly. So different channels perform different roles at different times for different categories. So TV, radio, outdoor are very, very good at setting a tone, setting a sort of rolling out a creative strategy, building awareness. After that, different channels do different things. Um, digital is extremely good for exploration and then we get down to the nitty gritty of conversion where we can start to really leverage the data, look at performance campaigns, look at what happens when someone lands on site and what that activity towards purchase looks like. I think every channel needs to be given its own space to perform in the way it performs best and then try to understand how these things all fit together. Well, well, let's talk a little bit about that because as Tyler said, you know, this test and learn thing, he, he almost uh, thought it had gone, gone out the window. Uh, how much evidence do you see, um, do you guys see of people really, um, you know, testing, learning, optimising, Nima, at your end of things, as you say, at the that's conversion That's business. So that's all we do. And I mean, that's interesting hearing you guys talk. I don't get involved much in the media conversation, but you guys chat there's some basic stuff I always feel media guys miss like everything we're talking about is a customer journey and mapping out what does a customer journey look like the thing I always get from media is everybody's desperate to be super important in the process so everyone's like we're the right channel we're the point where decision gets made which is bullshit because the decision made by the customer it's just the journey they're going where you're the most relevant part in that journey so I know a lot of our clients very big brands and I had one massive airline who, the guy who runs the conversion part of the business, turned to me and said, there isn't a single human being in Australia that doesn't know my brand. So why should I keep paying to acquire customers? I'm going to stop that spend. I'm going to start focusing on conversion marketing, which is how do I look at the behaviors within customers who bought and then work backwards to do a lookalike model. FMCG has been using this for ages. They talk about shelf-backed marketing. So I think, I think a lot of the times... This whole conversation around media and we're buying, which is most important, it's a self-driven conversation. Marketers don't give a shit. They just want sales. A marketer's job is not to win awards. It's not to be smart. It's not to get fired. So our job is to assist them in getting a pay rise and not get fired. And I think sometimes we overcomplicate it and media guys just need to stop thinking they're the most important thing in the journey and start realizing that the customer is the most important and how do we facilitate. Like you said, if I'm gonna buy a car, TV is probably a starting point for me to be aware of what's out there and then maybe drive.com. But the media becomes less relevant. The customers won't. No one really gets to the heart of that conversation, I guess, from what I'm hearing. Yeah, and I think also equally uh, as an audience, as a customer, a potential customer, I'm actually watching some TV and then I'm going online and I am on YouTube, but then I might read my newspaper at news.com. So uh, as an audience... They're, they cross each of those channels in, in their life sort of thing. So, And I think for me, the marketers then have to go, right, well, where is the best place to hit them and what's going to really make a difference? So for me, the marketers that we're working with are mostly challenger brands in market. I would say, not, to be honest, 90% of brands out there and companies are challengers to the big few mm. that, that have that leading position. Uh, and the rule that we tend to work to is the 70-20-10. And it's, an, it's, not an, it's not a new rule. It's 70% put into a safe position so you won't get fired. 
so that you can come back and confidently say this worked and that 20% is to experiment and then 10% at risk in terms of let's go somewhere where we've mm. never been before to potentially get that competitive edge. So it's um, I think that whole rule of 70, 20, 10 um, actually is embraced more than ever before by marketers. Yeah. I find there is a lack of culture of experimentation within organisations. Yeah. Companies are fearful of testing. And if you, if you look at how many brands have you gone into and they go, we're fully agile. And I talk about agility. Agility is a form of output rather than a form of learning. I don't think organisations are set to learn. I think organisations are set to output. And that's what they try to do is output, 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 output. Hopefully something works. And I don't think they're built for failure. Like you, you go and talk to someone who's coming up for review for you know, their salary or their job. The last thing they want to say is, oh, I tried 10 things and I failed on eight. Yeah. They don't actually see that as a good thing. They see it as a bad thing. Um, you know, I, th- I think you're absolutely right when you say we're losing focus on the customer at the expense of trying to um, find the right attribution models and find what works. The problem is for digital providers, such as where I come from, we're in a constant state of validation. Uh, we have to continue to prove ourselves to the buyers and the brands that we actually work, that we play a constructive role in their marketing and comms strategy. This is really difficult. Now, we set ourselves up for this in digital because we decided long ago that we are the most accountable media there is. Look, we've got all the numbers. Um, you can see the click rates. You can see yeah. the time spent, the engagement rate, the impressions, all this sort of stuff. So therefore, anything that happens has a number attached to it and that can either help you or hurt you, depending on how it stacks up against your competitor. So if the conversation is constantly around attribution, unfortunately, we're all stuck in it and we all drove it um, and we're all accountable to it. So we've got a big problem and we are so far deep down in the numbers now that it's very difficult, particularly in digital, for people to step back um, and have a look at the overall job that they're supposed to be doing across the branding plan. And I, I said to Al earlier today that there's been a culture, particularly in media agencies where I've spent a lot of my life, um, that the, so let's call them offline people or traditional media buyers, need to get across digital. You guys need to learn about digital, find out what it's all about, um, as if they don't already have their hands full trying to book 10 different other channels. Um, but that never seems to swing the other way. The digital people never seem to have to learn about offline or traditional media. Mm-hmm. Now, they play a particular role which is, support, which is supportive of offline media. We see how search is impacted by TV and outdoor campaigns. We see that... Um, Performance is better if there's strong offline media campaigns running simultaneously. So it's critical for all of us to understand not only what our numbers look like so we can validate where we have to, but how we fit into the bigger media strategy and then we may have a clearer view on what our attribution success looks like. So and tell me then about something else that you guys kind of mentioned. I suppose, Nimi, you were talking about the idea that um, you, or at least your business, tends to concentrate on conversion. You wouldn't be the only business that, that gets down to that kind yeah, of point yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, well, it's always good to be uh, uh, the only player in the space. Um, sadly, there are other people that do this. Um, what do you think, though, of this idea, which has been mentioned quite a bit, which is that we've almost, again, we, we've shifted dramatically to this idea of only really looking at the conversion end of the funnel and prioritising that. You talked a bit about um, one of your clients who said, you know, why would I want to spend on brand awareness when everybody knows me? Well, the acquisition company. marketing, not just brand, acquisition yep. marketing. Yeah. I mean, look, the, I, I have, I've made a bet, and my bet is I think the market's going to shift from acquisition marketing to conversion marketing because ultimately what every media piece is doing is trying to drive you to buy that product. That's ultimately what brand awareness over time is trying to do, what any kind of programmatic is trying to do is trying to say, hey, my product's here, 
got a really great proposition, come buy my product. So I think the more we analyze conversion and we understand the behaviors that drive conversions, the better we can actually work backwards. And I think I've been in the internet for a long time. It's always been this ad, you click on it, then you go here and then you buy. Like the magic at the bottom end just seems to happen. And I think if we can understand the psychology around what triggers buying, we can understand how that trigger occurred, what channel it occurred on, and then what were the different channels and roles they had. So I think market's going to flip. And all the media guys are aware aware of it. It's like Google is aware of it. It's just tried for the third time to build an optimization tool because it knows its click values are going too high. People can't compete. So now it's trying to get onto the conversion value of it. So I think I, I have a bet that the market's going to flip. And I think five, ten years, it's going to go, the market's going to start working backwards. Virginia, what do you make of that? It's a very persuasive case, but on the other hand, Jeremy Bullmore, for example, says the reason why we buy BMWs is not because of the uh, the the latest conversion piece of activity, but is because for 40 years you've been exposed to BMW communications, you're primed to do so. Ehrenberg Bass likewise would say just because you're well-known, memory memories are very fragile and that people don't you have a crushing indifference towards brands so you turn off that top at the top end and your conversion starts to have to work an awful lot harder amongst a smaller pool of people a long long way of saying do you think we've skewed too much because we have these short-term conversion based metrics that are incredibly attractive and obviously immediately contribute to the to, to, to the bottom line do you think we've skewed too much um, in our thinking towards those the, those very short-term metrics? I think the short-term me- metrics are the new toy, you know, and it's the new tool and something we can hook onto and argue with the CEO of a business about, you know, what we've delivered. However, I do agree we've shifted to, because imagine if we all get to a point where we're equal in how we can convert at that end of the funnel then what supports then people being pushed through the funnel to that final step? It's the brand building, it's the storytelling, it's the, the belief in, in, in that brand at the, at the higher end. And Apple is a perfect example, you know, in terms of its tablets, they're $200 more than buying a Samsung. But, you know, if we're all at the bottom end of the funnel trying to get the conversion, we're not building that amazing brand story that, you know. I've I, I, I got to say, I don't want to misrepresent. I think brand is your most valuable asset you'll ever have. And ultimately, every decision is started rationally and ends emotionally. Okay, who you are, that's how it happens. So a brand, and I know one giant brand we work with, brand is the reason why people buy it. It actually hasn't got the best rate or the best benefit. And buy it because everyone knows the brand. So brand's critical. But what drives the behavior at the bottom end? Brand plays a role. All these other channels play the role, but the consumer's at the center of it. Fundamentally, advertising is made, in my opinion, makes one big mistake. It thinks every they, they need to sell people when, in fact, people want to buy it. They just don't want to be sold to. So if we can understand what those things that actually contribute purchase, brand, self-identity, self-actualization, um, value, it's not too bloody expensive. I can afford it, right? All those things are reasons to convert. Then just look, work backwards up to what channels are actually driving those things. I, I again, I go back down to I think we overcomplicate the story. Data makes it really complicated, no doubt. But I think we just overcomplicate the story and how we sell and how we communicate. Do you guys reckon we're getting any closer to these metrics becoming universal and well audited? 
We're definitely on the way. Um, two years ago, when I was having conversations with big media companies um, and talking about we're needing guarantees around ad delivery and it being in view, they wouldn't even entertain you know, us doing that. But because there's been so much pressure now from many, many companies globally about my ad needs to be in view, I need to know that what I booked was served and not stacked with 10 other ads at the same time. Um, it's definitely on the way. I think the smartest thing that um, marketers can do is audit, you know, put that pixel in that actually audits whether your ad was served because we're buying millions and millions of impressions. It's physically it's impossible for us to understand what's being served or not served. So, And now we have media companies who've said, Yes, we acknowledge there was a problem with viewability. You know, in Australia, ads were only 34% of ads were in view, according to the IAS. One third of everything we bought was seen and two thirds wasn't seen. So that, that is a problem. We can't be successful. We can't be successful for the businesses in the planning phase if we can't even get the ads in view. Um, so there is acknowledgement now that that needs to improve. We're on the way. I don't think a lot of clients really understand what viewability is. It just means, was your ad served? Did it actually land in front of eyeballs? So we're on our way. There's still work to do. And I honestly think the only way to clean it up thoroughly is for every client to have an, an independent third-party audit uh, pixel in their in their actual copy of their ad to, to make sure that they're getting what they um, believe they're getting when they pay their, their precious money out. Perhaps what we need is an, is an absolute overhaul, rethink, revolution of the way we think about digital media, actually. And I completely agree with Nima that the, the consumer has to be central to this because if there's one truth about the digital media environment, and this will be true of not just your actual digital media, but this will be true of TV and most other channels as well, is that the audience has control. The audience decides whether they want to engage with whatever is in front of them or not. Um, now, we still pursue across digital media a 20th century thinking of reach and awareness, interruption, um, putting something in front of someone. That is completely counter to the entire foundation of digital media, which is, or digital overall, which is that the audience decides what they want to watch, when they want to watch it, how they want to watch it, on what device, how they want to consume it, whether they're interested or not. So yes, perhaps digital agencies or media agencies need to overhaul their thinking, but so do brands. So does everybody in the game because we're taking offline metrics, ramming them into digital world and hoping it works. So for example, just to help you understand what I'm talking about here, um, producing experiences that users can decide to opt into or not. If they don't, there's no charge, but if they decide they want to opt in them, to them and have that brand experience, then they're charged give the audience control because that's the fundamental truth of the digital world. This will also compel brands to create more compelling advertising materials to draw people in in the first place. If somebody's interested, search follows this model, of course. If someone's interested, they will pursue it. They will consume that information. Then we start to have attribution models that are based on the fact that somebody actively wanted to consume this information, take part in this brand story and experience it. Until we understand what digital really is and how to properly work with it, we're still going to run into these problems because all we're chasing is greater eyeballs and greater reach. I think, I um, just want to add to it, I think one of the biggest troubles I, I have with our industry is we've gone from a parent-parent relationship with clients to a parent-child relationship. We're always seeking approval and is that okay and have I done it wrong and oh, I can't tell them that we've...
up, it didn't serve because, you know, that's it, they'll fire us. The relationship between brands and agency is, I think, eroded to a point where it's it's a commodity, it's a price-driven decision. It's not built on expertise, knowledge, respect. It's built on how much cheaper can you get this for me. And once you're in that price-driven conversation, there's only, there's only one point, which is zero. That's where you're going to get to. So that means we're not evolving. Do you remember when I was young enough? Do you remember those ads that used to take over City Morning Herald and used to be so bloody annoying you want to close them? At one point, City Morning Herald realized that this channel is a product and I need to create a best customer experience. So they turned around to the advertisers and said, we're not doing it anymore. The advertisers didn't throw up and say, we're never going to send it. They said, here's some other packages that you could buy from us. And I think that's the biggest problem is we're so focused on getting attention that we've, we've lost the focus on value. How do we provide value in a customer journey? What channel actually assists in that value pathway? And how do we deliver that? I think a lot of it is driven from clients or brands that see agencies as a necessary evil and the conversation becomes, how much cheaper can I get you to do this for? Which means you don't ever evolve. You just always spend time justifying we're always on the back foot. We're never actually creating a better structure. So I'm not sure how you solve that problem. Oh, I'd love to know how you solve that yeah, problem. Yeah, I mean, look, if I was big enough and I could, you know, wear a whole lot of loss and go to hell with you, you're going to run it my way or no way, maybe. But there is a, and this is where the bodies, the industry bodies like Adma should come in, is actually start creating value between brands and agencies where they respect each other's capabilities and agree this is a fair rate and this is what the price is. And this is what we should, because then you start moving away from, because that's what agencies do, we just justify. Look, you spent this, you got this. That's not a good relationship. That's not a parent-to-parent you know, -parent relationship. It's a parent-child relationship. It won't go anywhere. That's, I think, half of these problems is this, because we just spend more time justifying rather than thinking better ways to come up with structures that actually help us all get on the same page. And interestingly, too, that I think because we have content agencies separate to media agencies oh, yeah. and media agencies are seeing what's working on, what's not working, and creatives want to be creatives, that decoupling of all mm. of those agency services has now hurt um, clients in the digital world because we can have a conversation on well, that channel work better, but you know, did, was it the creative or not the creative? Was the content good or not good? Like what defines what's good content or not? And do the creatives really want to listen to the media person telling them this has been more effective as a headline than versus that headline? But so, we as agencies, we, we're like kids. You know, the creative agency wants to tell the media agency what to do and then the content guys yeah. say our content is what's converting them because look, we're all like little children. Yeah. And then you put them all into one group, like a big buying like a big group like WPP buys them and puts them all together and that destroys it because that doesn't seem to work because they're all fighting amongst each other and you still have conversations of offline and online. The, the fundamental problem is that we are not helping ourselves so therefore we end up looking like bickering children so then the clients treat us like kids. The whole thing eventuates into this conversation of nothingness. So that's the biggest problem is our industry is driven and those buying groups that buy these agencies this is what I think the core of our problem is. We don't, as an industry body, create good product. We drive better price. And we do that by trying to hide or by trying to find cheaper resource and all to justify more value back to customer. We're not actually creating a good product. Like, what's the last agency you're looking at? That is a superb product in comparison to that product. It's all the same. That's the biggest problem. We're in this sea of sameness. And these big groups buy us not because they want to build better product, 
but because they want to provide an EBITDA back to shareholders. So this whole structure happens because we've lost our way as agencies to create better product that allows us to go to clients and go, this is the way it should work because this is the product. And I, I think that's the fundamental challenge we have. Yeah, and I think uh, for me, I had a creative director say to me, so is programmatic going to destroy my creativity? And I said, it actually should boost it. You should be able to create an idea, learn what the audience does with your idea, and then improve on it. So if you can do that as a creative director, you will be the best creative director mm -hmm. in the entire industry by using understa truly understanding audiences and what's actually working. What did and he building say about uh, Not a lot. <laughs> so I weren't that big a fan of my idea, but I think it's a great idea that if you understand audiences, you can create better messages, and then the channels become the conversation. Excellent. So sort of rallying crime to create better product, not to fight on price, and let's make absolutely sure that we understand that the worlds of programmatic and creativity are actually bedfellows rather than enemies. I think that's a good place, despite the slight down that we took. We've ended on a high. Uh, in the world of attribution. Um, I'd like to thank all three of you for your time, Tyler, Virginia and Nima. Great to have you here. The next podcast in our series will examine how customers buy and how that has changed. Um, and I'd just like to say, if you haven't already, subscribe to our series on iTunes and find out more about this episode and the rest at mumbrella.com.au. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.